Hello to everybody out there in radio slash podcast land. I hope you're doing well. This is episode number 17 of the Rub Wrestling Podcast. Coming to you live from sunny old Woodbridge, Ontario. And we got some other people from some other places, but we're definitely from Ontario. So don't hack me because I told you my city. But with that being said... You can find us on every major like outlet that you could possibly find. You can find us on iPhone or whatever it is, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. You can also hit us up with any questions that you want to reach out to us at the Rub Wrestling um, at Outlook.com. Uh, we do want to take any of your questions, anything that you want to discuss on air, because um, we come up with these topics every week. But we'd love to hear from some listeners to see what we'd love to, to go on here with this. So it should be a good time. And uh, we'll basically take it from there. we got some great topics today talking about AEW, talking about WWE for the week and uh, what we're uh, hearing in some of the storylines and some of the rumor mills. So, um, but with that, we'll get to our illustrious panel, Chris, in all honesty, I'm running out of these introduction questions. What's your favorite color and why? Probably kindergarten. <laughs> Favorite color. Favorite color. Blue. Blue and because uh, because I was put on the spot, I don't know, I guess. Uh, blue jeans. Like blue on shoes, like blue on white shoes. Um, I, I own a lot of blue shirts. So, yeah, I guess I guess blue. Well, your hair is looking long and fantastic. You got a great, uh, you got a great mesh of hair there going on. Josh, my bigger question to you is this: Do the Blue Jays make the playoffs? I hate to say this, but I don't think so because they're just seem like if they keep on playing the way that they're playing, no way they make the playoffs. I hope that they make the playoffs, but they just haven't been really good in the AL this year. It just seems like they're not putting it all together when they need to put it together. So, But, you know, as Chris and I had discussed yesterday, there might be some Don Mattingly-esque infer- things going on that, you know, you notice that they're not wearing the jacket anymore. Um, so maybe they're just not having as much fun like Chris had thought yesterday. Um, but uh, they better make the playoffs. Otherwise, John Schneider, I don't know, his, his job might be up at risk. Don Mattingly behind you is a pretty easy choice to fit into manager next year. It's very true. And uh, Chris, my more important question, since we're talking about Don Mattingly, was Mr. Burns on The Simpsons right to tell him to save his shy Burns? <laughs> no, of course he wasn't. <laughs> but he did, didn't he? And he shaved all the way around and then looked like a fool and he got sent home. He got sent packing by Mr. Burns. Are you kidding me? This is insane. But uh, anyways, we're not here to talk about The Simpsons. We're not here to talk about the Blue Jays. Um, good introduction questions. Terrible start by me, but that's okay. Um, but what we are going to break in is we are going to break into some of the stuff that we saw this week from AEW, and we're going to talk about uh, a few different storylines that we have here, two storylines, and then one event that will be coming up on October the 1st that we'll talk about, that is Wrestle Dream, which is a tribute show to Antonio Inoki, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, so our first topic of the night comes down to the best dancer on planet Earth. I mean, you can look at Ricky Starks, but that's not who I'm talking about. We're talking about Daniel Garcia here, Chris and Josh. And so we look at Daniel Garcia, you know, had a had a little bit of a, um, 
you know, kind of a, a good upbringing. He was in the JS, the Jericho Appreciation Society, for a long time. Um, started out just working with 2.0 before that. Really kind of fell into a groove. Um, really worked hard on the ROH scene. Has been involved with the Pure Championship over there. Um, but we saw kind of a little bit of a unique storyline that kind of played out on Wednesday night on Dynamite. Um, which was basically the pursuit of Daniel Garcia into the Don Callis family, which is... Um, Generally, not not much of a family that we've seen probably over the eight weeks. We're, we're definitely looking to see what members will actually fit. So what happened? Don Callis pursued. He got shot down. But at typical Don Callis fashion, he didn't give up. And it looked like he's still going to pursue Daniel Garcia. So we're looking at this. Chris, um, do you honestly think that Daniel Garcia is going to join up with Don Callis? Um, you know... I know that he said no, but Don Callis can be very persistent, like I just said. Do you think he would be a really good fit for the family for Don Callis in that uh, in that? Uh, I know we don't like he doesn't like the word stable, so we'll say in that family environment. I like uh, I like Dale Garcia. I mean, when he did the dance on Wednesday, I just I just started laughing. It's so it's so funny, um, but uh, I think I think you have to give him his shot. To give him his shot to see if he can go by himself, because uh, he's he's been in groups. I mean, he's been he, he was brought up to the forefront of JAS for a little bit. Like he was, he got not the he not the main event rub, but he got a big. He was in a big spot for a while, starting off pretty pretty small. So I think now you give him his uh, maybe now we give him his shot and uh, put him in a storyline. I will he join him? I've I think eventually he probably will join up with Don Callis, um, but uh, I just I, th- I think they should give him a, a chance on his own, and I, I think uh, I think he's worked hard enough to do it to, to get that shot now. Yeah, I find that uh, since his uh, he's kind of gone out with the Jericho Appreciation Society, he's kind of lost a little bit of steam, and and that happens sometimes. You can't be on full steam all the way through your career; it just never happens that way, and sometimes you do lose a little bit of it. Um, so, Josh, I want you to put your booking hat on here. When you kind of look at Daniel Garcia, he's he's always been in a group, um, you know. So he was with uh, you know you know two point which was at the time it's Menard and uh, the other guy there, whatever his name is. Cool, what is it? Cool hand. Luke. It's okay. not cool hand, Luke, but you know what I'm talking about the other guy. So the other guy that combs his hair that cool. I forget Ange. his name. Ange. Yeah, Angelo cool. Parker. You got it. Cool hand, Angelo Parker. Thank you for that. Um, you know, and then he goes right into JAS and they join as well. 2.0 joins as well. And now he's on his own a little bit. And now he's trying to go into the scenario. Now he, on the Indies, Daniel Garcia was primarily an indie wrestler. If you were a booker, do you feel that on the mainstay with television happening every week that he's better in a group? Would you keep him in the group? Or do you think he's worth a shot at having an individual run? Um, at some point, and uh, you can determine the timeline of all that, and uh, just really interested in hearing your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything that Chris said. I do think that he deserves to go on his own run, and that he can go on his own run. I think that he's it's hard again. He's not a huge wrestler, so I, I don't know if I see a, a heavyweight title picture for him unless he puts on a few pounds, kind of similar to like MJF. Um, but he could definitely rock the international title or continue with some of the ROH titles there. TV title would be more, you know, pretty pretty good for him as well. I think that 
he has kind of that charisma that could get him over uh, as himself and you know kind of like similar to like a Shawn Michaels like I think that he's kind of got that like you know he could have that bad boy but like just that attitude I I think that even even though I don't think he's big enough to be a heavyweight champion I think his charisma and his uh in-ring work could get him there I just would kind of like to see him tighten up a little bit or you know put on like 10 20 pounds of muscle just because it would it would improve his look and give him that bigger shot but uh yeah i think that he is going to be really over if he continues with that dancing and his promo and stuff like that so it's like let the let the man do what he's doing you don't want to put him with don Callis because he doesn't need don Callis to talk he can he, he you got to let him work his own promos yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought, right? I mean, I think, like, for me, I'd probably want to keep him in a group just a little bit longer because, um, Chris, I'm going to get to this question with you in a second, which is where, where do you feel that he's better suited at this point of his career? Because he's a really young guy, and you know what? There's so much development going on right now when you're looking at MJF. Cole's, Cole's getting up there in age, but I still feel like he's in that youngish age. You have Orange Cassidy. You have all these other guys that are kind of young on the roster. Do you think... If you were a booker, would you move him to ROH for a year and maybe try to have a shot at a World Heavyweight Champion to kind of develop him in that main event role and then bring him back to AEW? Or do you think he's better where he is just to stay put? That's not a bad, not a bad idea. It's almost like sending, sending somebody to the minors because they need more seasoning. But um, I, I think... I think they should give him his shot on his own right now and, and see what they have, like see what they really have with them. And, and if he does, you know, if, if something fizzles out, if his story fizzles out, if no, if he's, he's not getting over, you still have him under contract. And then, then maybe you can send him back to ROH to, to keep working. But I mean, you don't know, you don't, you don't know what you have with them until you give them the shot. So until they let him kind of go on his own, um, I think, I think, like I said earlier, uh, I think he's done enough. I think he's been in pretty big storylines. He's been beside Chris Jericho. He's been one on one on the mic with Chris Jericho. I think, I think, kind of he's learned. He's he's learned and he's learned from the best. So so why don't give him the ball and see if he can run with it. Yeah, I think uh, I think the problem with AEW is that we always joke and talk about how many titles there are. And I think one of the questions is, is there a way to kind of give him the ball but not give him the title to make him run? I think the key to him is just to really have good matches and have a, a good storyline moving forward. The question for me becomes, as a booker, does does that better storyline become in a group setting or on an individual setting? I think his dance, Chris, I agree with you. I didn't like it at first. Now I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really funny. The crowd pops for it so hard. And, you know, I mean, it's a great way. It's a great way to get a cheap pop for him. And, um you know, I think it's fantastic, and his in-ring work is really good. He's great at verbalizing when he's in the ring, like basically yelling at things and just making it look as real as possible. And um, the one thing I just feel that I miss from him is that that overall intensity. And sometimes you see it in his matches, and sometimes you don't. It really depends on what the line is. But if he can maintain that intensity all the way through, I'd probably keep him on the AW roster and see. <clears throat> but if it gets to, you know, um. What's the word? Like, um, there's too much of a jam there with a bunch of wrestlers. I would try to move him back and forth, kind of like what they're doing on some of the shows. Like, we're starting to see that now even on NXT where, you know, for instance, on Tuesday night, Becky Lynch actually went back and won the uh, the NXT title from Tiff Stratton, which was, if you haven't watched that, it's a, a hell of a match. And, um, 
you know, it'll be interesting because Tiff Stratton put on such a great show. She's she's better than half the wrestlers on the the main roster, anyways. So it's kind of it's kind of different to see. But I think time will tell on the Daniel Garcia thing. I I, I don't know if he ends up joining Callis, but uh, if he doesn't join Callis, I think it's going to lead to a match with Takeshita at some point, and I think that'll be uh, a great one to see if we do get that on uh on uh, on a pay per view and not just on uh, you know Dynamite. But I think either way it would be a, a good one for us to watch. Okay, now that we got that one out of the way, we're going to talk about the big event that's happening on October the 1st, which is a Wrestle Dream, a tribute to Antonio Inoki, uh, which will be happening in, I believe it's Seattle, Washington, which is, uh, you know, on the west side of the Canada country, whatever, I guess. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, here we are. So, my big question is, we haven't seen a ton of matches booked yet. We're a couple weeks away, um, to, as of today, what's today, the day today, September 15th. Um, you know, we're probably looking at 16 days away. Um, we got Collision coming up tomorrow night. Uh, we got Rampage tonight. There's going to be some matches that'll be flying through, and, and Tony likes to wait till the last two weeks to really get the card through. Um, but my my question to you, Chris, if you were looking at this, um, you know, and I'm going to ask you both this question. If you were the booker here as well for Wrestle Dream, which is a tribute show, we know that NJPW stars are coming. We know that people are. What would you have as your dream match if you had to look at this um, and put it as a, a dream match or even just say the main event of this card? Who would you pick and what kind of match would you pick? You have full reign to pick whatever you want. Can I pick anybody like WWE, anything? No, because obviously the show is going to be AEW and NJPW. Oh, oh right, right, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I pick Roman Reigns. Oh. <laughs> Roman Reigns and Akata. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Pac and Osprey. I'd like to see them wrestle. So that would probably be, um, that'd be like my personal personal dream match. And I think it could carry a main event, no problem. Sorry, who was the first person? I kind of cut out my earbuds there. Pac. Oh, Pac and Osprey. Oh fuck, yeah, that'd be insane. Both English boys too, eh? Like when you think about that going forward, that'd be absolutely crazy. Now. Why would you pick Pac? I mean, we looked at, you know, a couple different things, and I think um, Josh may have Osprey, because I think I would have Osprey in the main event of this. Maybe he doesn't, but um, what really sides you with going with Pac in this situation with Osprey? Is it just is it just the balls of the wall for 25 minutes? That's part of it, for sure. I just, uh, I've always been a, I've always been a fan of Pac. I, like, I, I saw his name, and I looked him up before he was in WWE, and, I mean, he can... He can do anything, and with uh, his character in AEW, uh, I like his presence. I just think, I just think the build-up, the story, and if they get it right, like it could be like from start to finish, it could it could be a really cool feud, and and the final payoff would be probably one of the best matches you'll ever see. Yeah, I'd probably have to second that. I think their in work in ring work is unbelievable. I think uh, Pac kind of lost it a little bit in WWE as Neville, and I think he was never really going to have a shot at that that heavyweight title scene just due to his size. But his in ring work is so much better and um, than anybody really there. And um, you know, it was just funny how he was always listed as a cruiserweight because he was short, right? So, uh, but you know, Falcon Arrow, anything you want to look at that he does is just unbelievable, and I, I absolutely love him as a heel. Josh, if you had your turn for this and you were looking at booking anything from AW or NJPW in this, what what kind of match would you have um, as the booker if you were to try to book like your dream match or uh, a main event? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know a lot of the NJPW guys, and since Brian Danielson's already fighting, you know, I would have said potentially like Brian Danielson Okada because I think the match that we saw at Forbidden Door did Brian Danielson not get hurt, and there was kind of like it was a little, it wasn't, uh, it was a little bit, not, it wasn't as good as it could have been. So I, I would have liked to see that go again. Um, obviously, Omega. And uh, Osprey would be a fantastic match to see again. I don't think they'll do that, but I would love to see that match again. Um, but since we watched it live, I almost kind of feel like maybe I kind of just don't want to see it again because then we might be the last people that ever see them wrestle together. And it's like, that's something that we can say that we did. Although, you know, that, that'd be a banger. Um, I don't really know anybody else that, you know, maybe... Uh, if it was two AEW guys, I know it's a little bit too soon, but I'd like to see like a John Moxley Eddie Kingston feud go, and that could be a a final match. Um, I yeah, I'm not really sure. I maybe MJF Adam Cole again, and but yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I'm I'm gonna kind of if you were to ask me the same question, I'm gonna kind of go off the grid a little bit because. I like to do that sometimes. I'm kind of like that kid that likes to, what's the word, that uh, wants to be, um, you know, sits there in the... You're like Tony Khan. You want to make dream matches. No, nah, you know, you're the kid in the cafeteria that looks at everybody and thinks they're a loser because they pick the mainstream stuff. <laughs> but um, I don't want to do that. But I think the matches that I will come up with will be two interesting matches that I'm going to make. I'm going to make two of them. My first one would be Kazuchika Okada. But you'd be very surprised on who I'd pair him with. And Chris is going to fucking shake his head. I already know it. But I think I'd love to see Okada and Starks go. I think one, when you look at that, Starks has the ability with Big Bill in the corner. But also, I think for Starks' credibility and where I think he's going to end up in the next two to three years, which is, you know what, there's already rumors about the WWE being interested in him. And, and you know, if, it, if the AEW does right by him, I think Okada and Starks could be an absolute banger. Um, and, and on top of that, one of the reasons I think that is if you look at Starks' body after the Danielson fight, the strap match, and how much he's willing to put on the line to make it work, I guarantee you he would put his life on the line if he fought Okada, and it would he would make sure no matter what that it would be the best match of his career. Because every time he gets paired with somebody that's better than him, he knocks it out of the park. And so that's why I think that would be probably one of the matches I'd want to see. The other one, I'm going to go a little bit different. Um, I'm going to go with a tag match. And, and one of the ones I'd be really interested to see would be um, maybe even a three-way here, which would probably be, but if you were going with two, I'd definitely say the Young Bucks. And I'd love to see the Young Bucks fight the Gorillas of Destiny from Bullet Club. I think that would be so crazy because now you got the Elite, they haven't been around for a long time. You got the Bullet Club. There's all that history and the storyline that you can talk. Um, Tamatonga talks so much shit. It's unbelievable. He cuts one of the best promos. He's probably one of the only guys in NJPW at one point that's WWE hot on a radar because that guy will say anything within reason. And I think like when he goes through, he swears in every interview. He doesn't give a shit what he says. He just tells it like it is. And I think like you could have a really good storyline there in a very short amount of time to have that. Now, if you were to do a three-way, what if we throw FTR in there and then we throw the titles on the line? Does that make it better? <laughs> That's something that could also happen too. So those would be my two if we had to look at that for Wrestle Dream. I mean, that's the beautiful part about Wrestle Dream. It's about, you know, it's going to be a tribute show. It's all about making matches work. It's kind of like what we saw at Forbidden Door, right? Now, 
we talk about these shows that we have here with with you know Wrestle Dream. I'm going to ask you both this question. Um, with this AEW and NJPW relationship that they do have, um, and you know, you're looking at Forbidden Door, you're looking at Wrestle Dream in October. Now, what are the odds of AEW stars actually showing up at Wrestle Kingdom, which is the WrestleMania of NJPW? Um, Chris, what percentage would you give it, and who do you think ends up going? Uh, I'd like to see it. That would be that would be cool. Um, I mean, they let Kingston go over, Willow go over, so so there is we've seen them uh, go over, but uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just spaced out. What? Can you just ask that again? Yeah, no, it's just basically with the with the relationship that AEW and NJPW has um, for Wrestle Kingdom, which is obviously like the NJPW WrestleMania kind of deal. Like, what percentage do you think of a like that AEW stars would show up at Wrestle Kingdom? And if they picked who, who do you think would go? Okay, sorry about that. Okay, jeez, I'm fried. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd say probably sixty to seventy percent. Give or take, I think. I think there's a good chance we'll see somebody. Um, I mean, a Kenny. Kenny would always be a good choice because of the history. Um, anybody from the elite, you could have. You could have Juice and uh, Switchblade. Like, there's there's a lot of parts that could go over there that would make a lot of sense. And uh, I think if NJPW wanted it bad enough, then um, I think them and Tony Tony would figure it out. Josh, gonna put you on the spot. I'm going to change the question a little bit. What are the odds that MJF goes over to Japan? Zero. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that... Uh, I mean... No, go ahead. I, I I don't... I mean, yeah, no, MJF, I don't think he would go over. Maybe... I mean, that would be cool, I guess, but, you know, if... Do they understand enough English to get his promos when they call him a bunch of pores? And he'd be like, wait, I'm in Japan. There are no pores, right? Is that how it works there? I think it'd be interesting to <laughs> see what goes on when he when he fucking tries to get a cheap uh, sorry a che- so when he tries to get cheap heat over there and then nobody's gonna clap for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I just was like. It's not. I'm not certain that like he would what he does would work in Japan. I mean, I'm sure it would for if he was Japanese, but um, yeah, I would say I agree with Chris. I think that he had initially said Eddie Kingston isn't Eddie Kingston an NJPW champion right now, or is yeah, it IG? I, so I. Yeah, uh, so he would easily be yeah. a, a guy to go over, even John Moxley. Um, you know, we might see CM Punk. Oh, wait, no, wait, no, never mind. Just kidding. Hey, hey, hey. hey. His, uh, he shall not, he's like Voldemort. He should, shall not be named on the podcast yeah, anymore. exactly. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> until, until we get some legitimacy on where he's going or what's going on. That's not rumors. That's just uh, me being silly. O- Omos is going to show up. Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's it's going to be a crazy card. I think we'll definitely see some AEW stars there, I think. And uh, you never know, though. I mean, NJPW could also really make it all about them and really want it to be about um, Japanese-style wrestling. So they can go either way. But I think there'd probably be a good... I'd put a good number of percentage that at least one person would show up. Because typically that's been the case at Wrestle Kingdom for the last few years where somebody that was foreign from another, uh, from, you know, North America or whatever, or foreign to uh, Japanese wrestling would actually show up. Like Jericho's done it as the pain maker a couple times. It's been interesting when they go through. They try to pull some of these people out, right? Um, our last topic for AW the evening um, really is going to surround around, surround around. 
It's going to surround around um, the Grand Slam tournament that basically went to identify a number one contender for MJF's world title. Um, basically, for those that didn't watch Dynamite, Samojo beat Roddy. And then basically what ended up happening, Samojo immediately called out MJF um, for the Grand Slam show, which will be kind of pretty, pretty nuts. Um, so when we look at this, Samoa Joe's been around for years, massive vet, highly respected all across the world for everything he's done since in Japan. We talked about that. Lots of things we're going across. Um, Josh, this is my question to you. Um, does Samoa Joe actually have a chance of beating MJF or at Grand Slam, or is he just being used as filler to keep MJF's title reign ongoing? Um... I don't think it's a 0% chance that Samoa Joe wins. I think that there's like 20% chance that he wins. I think that he'd be a fine champion that, that maybe, you know, this could be something that like this is his last hurrah and, you know, like how much longer does he get to wrestle and Tony kind of is like, you know, this is how we get Joe the belt maybe, but maybe it's not on this uh, card, you know, like or maybe it's not this this match. It could be in the future where he has like a longer a feud with MJF and this is just the beginning. I could kind of see this match going as a, a no finish or a DQ Ooh. and promoting the next, the, the ongoing feud. Because I think that the MJF Adam Cole story is probably going to be more likely to be where MJF might lose his title, but that's going to be put on hold for a while with the Roddy, you know, that's, so I think that it could be like that. I mean, I'm hoping that it's a, a long, feud with Joe um, or that, you know, we have a swerve or something like that. I don't mind if MJF loses. He still has those tag titles. They're still over, super over. Um, and if he's not going to be with the promotion come January, potentially, you know, they, they got to kind of get the title off of him at some point. So good point. And I think, you know what, it's really interesting to see. I think you, you hit all the right notes there. I would probably have it at, a, you know, almost a 0% chance of him winning it. Um, but you got to give him that small chance because always in the back of your head, you always wonder, like, he's a great locker room leader. Um, he's a great guy that could run with it. And even in that position, if you had to put a title on him at any point, he would he would be really good at it. And I think he'd be he'd really bring uh, relevancy to it as well. Not to say that MJF's been terrible, but MJF's the guy that you're trying to run with here and, and go through. Chris, I got two questions for you. The first one is kind of a funny one. Um, did you get a boner when Josh said no finish? <laughs> yeah, I like a good no finish. <laughs> we don't see them as much anymore, and that's why I ask, you know, when you kind of look at that, um, you know, it, it, there is a lot of potential for a DQ or something like that, and I think it doesn't happen as much anymore because I think people want to see a fight to, to, to win it, and, you know, it's disappointing. I think um, I love the DQs and the no finishes to keep people on their end of their seat. Now, for my actual question, if MJF was not the champion right now, let's just say... Maxwell Jacob Freeman did not exist at this point, and he's not in AEW. Um, where would Joe rank? Um, I don't know if it's going to be a number or top five, top three, top five, top ten. What would he rank for you being the AEW champion? Is Would he be high up on the list for you? Like, how high up on that list would you go for him being the face of the company at some point? Oh, uh, I'd say top five. He'd be he'd be in my top five. 
I think as face face for the company, like when he when he's healthy, like he is on this run. I mean, people are behind him. Um, people people love when that when that song comes on. <laughs> so yeah, when he's healthy and he has kind of an extended run where he's able to kind of get comfortable, because um, being hurt being hurt so often, like you know, you're out of the game, you're out of the promo game, you're not cutting promos at home every day. Yeah. So. It's good to see when he starts getting comfortable with stuff. Uh, you can just like he he he's got it. I I, I love Joe. I love watching him, and uh, I just I think he's got it. He's got everything he needs to for wrestling, and I think his issue is just he misses so much time that uh, he gets stale and then he gets out of shape. Yeah, you know what? You kind of look at it and you kind of talk like you, you talked about his entrance music. And one of there's a couple of funny things that I wanted to kind of bring up as observations about entrance music. Like Joe's is basically a direct seal of almost when he was in NXT, right? <laughs> like Mikey Ruckus does a great way of kind of if it, if it works, trying to find a way to keep it. And I think that's really cool. But when we talk about the AEW's women division, Chris and Josh, I don't know. I want you to do something for me if you're not even aware of it, Chris. You might be aware. Do you remember the old X-Men intro from, like, the 90s cartoon that they did? Hell yeah. I watched that. Just It's on Disney+. Plus. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to find the theme song on YouTube, play it, listen to the 30-second intro of the show, and Josh, you too, and then listen to Hikaru Shida's music and tell me that that's not the same thing because it fucking is. <laughs> nice i'm gonna do that so it's pretty interesting to see um what you're going through so i mean yeah anyways back to joe yeah you look at his credibility i don't know what i'd give him as a percentage to be up there i'd probably have him in my top five or ten but i i love these veteran guys holding these positions you know joe's one of those guys that has um you know a, a much different physique than everybody else and that's what i love i've been a big fan of you know not having your typical chiseled 240 pounds, six foot four, six foot five, or bigger champion. I love that he throws his weight around. I love the ability, the athletic ability that he has in the ring to, you know, throw people in turnbuckles. But more so, the thing that obviously gets like, like really gets missed with Joe is how charismatic he is. And I think that's something there that really buys in. When you have charisma, charisma equals emotional capabilities, right? So you watch him do the thing. He's going to make you laugh. Joe can make you get upset. He could probably make you cry, I think, in some points. And, you know, I think the acting chops there are good. Because if, if he wasn't, he probably wouldn't have been on, you know, season one of Twisted Metal. So... I think there's a lot of good things that he brings to the table. And with it, he's one of the only guys, like maybe one of the few guys in there, title or no title, that people would really watch on that card. And surprisingly, another guy like that that has the same thing with that is Eddie Kingston. Um, but with that being said, that's it for AEW. Few big shows. Get ready for Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's going to be an absolute banger. That should be in, I think, a couple weeks um, next week or whenever it is from today's date. Um, it'll be soon though, and it's uh, it'll be a banger in New York. It's always a big crowd there. But with that being said, we're gonna move on to WWE, and with WWE, we're gonna talk about um, one storyline and a couple things that are in the news. Um, one thing for um, that we'll talk about WWE kind of relates AEW a little bit, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, the first thing that we're gonna talk about is Jey Uso obviously moved over to Monday Night Raw. 
Um, had a match. She was in the opening match of Monday Night Raw with in a tag with Kevin Owens. Um, and basically what happened is he, that he basically super kicked Owens in the face. Goes in the back. People are asking him, is he going to join Judgment Day? What's happening? And then Drew McIntyre challenges him to a match next week. Um, basically, it's almost like Jey Uso is the enemy type of a storyline. Nobody, like... Trust him whatsoever. Everybody thinks he's the enemy and that something crazy is going to happen. So, um, you know, I think when you're looking at this, Josh, there's a feud potentially with KO, um, with Kevin Owens, because he got super kicked in the face. Um, does it lead him to staying as a one-man rebel? Like, is Jey Uso going to potentially create... Um, and I'm not saying exactly similar, but kind of like a like almost like a Stone Cold character where he's just kind of this one man hit crew, like this on his own rebel against everything or rebel against everything that the company has to offer because he's going to be put in that situation. What are your thoughts on the storyline and where do you think it's going to go? I uh, can't hear you, buddy. Having a couple of technical difficulties. Sorry, can you hear me? We can hear you now. Yeah, yeah. you got gotcha. you. Oh, I don't. I didn't even press the. Didn't even press the button. Sorry. That's all right. Um, I think that this is the way with Jey Uso the story. I think that this is kind of the way to get Sammy and Kevin to feud, right? So like, he accidentally super kicked Kevin in their tag match, and Kevin's gonna be like, "Yo, man, what's up?" And then Sammy's gonna be like, "Hey, he did it by accident." Kevin's like, "That guy's always causing trouble." Blah, blah, blah. You know, like I, I feel like that's kind of the way that it goes. I do think that Jay can't will be. You know, this is kind of what Jay and Jimmy are doing, right? Like they're sewing their own, like finding their own way as singles wrestlers, and they're probably gonna eventually get to maybe WrestleMania and have a big match, right? Like I feel like that's kind of the thing that they've always been building their whole careers is like to have a big feud with each other. And they were in a faction that's it's big enough to do so. Cause I think that they're doing what Jimmy's back with the bloodline. I haven't really been able to watch much of uh, WWE lately, but uh, yeah. So I think that he definitely could be that lone wolf. Like you were saying um, like stone cold. No, I don't think so. Maybe more like, yeah, I'm not really sure who, uh, I think that he, hopefully it's something original, more original, or main, just main event Jey Uso, and that's what he does, and he eventually is the one who beats Roman. I don't know. I, I This is interesting. One of the interesting stories from WWE that I like right now. Yeah, I think there's just so many ways that you can go with it, and I think there's so many things. Like, one of the most subtle things that Jey Uso did on Monday night, if you notice it, is that the back of his hair was dyed like almost like a bluish-purple. It was more blue than purple. But then people are like, you're going to join. And it's like, well, you know, and then, you know, when they're kind of going through the match, Judgment Day doesn't want to hit him because they want him to join up. And you have all these kind of little triggers that are coming in. And I think it's going to create, um, Jay's appearance there is really going to create multiple storylines. And I think it's going to open up so many things. Most of all, it's going to show his versatility. So, Chris, when you when you look at Jay Uso right now, and people are calling him main event Jay Uso, whatever. The end of the day is... Right now we're in September. Where do you think Jey Uso ends up by WrestleMania? Do you think he's in the, the main event? Do you think he's um, in the mid card? Or potentially, do you think he's on the undercard? Where do you think he's going to end up if you were the WWE, or pardon me, what we're going to talk in a second, WWE slash TKO? Where do you think he's going to end <laughs> up? Oh, yeah, I don't. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the undercard. 
Um, and that's that's not a knock on him or anything anything like that. I just I it's it's a situation for me where I look at the the split up is partly because what's like what would be the point of having twin brothers on the same show going singles, right? Like one's obviously going to overshadow the other. Um, so I think splitting them up and putting them there was their way of letting them both go on their own. Yeah. Like Josh was saying, um, yeah, I, you know, maybe the mid card, I I think he's a big enough name. It's, it's a long enough show with two days. So yeah, I guess I, I, I would say the mid card. Um, I think his, he's going to be with, uh, Owens and Sammy for a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, who knows? Um, you never know. You could see, uh, could see him side with Sammy during Sammy and KO's rivalry and then screw Sammy and go on KO's side. Who knows? Um, but yeah, like like Josh said, it's one of the one of the more intriguing things about Raw right now is because there's um there's a few different ways it can go, but uh there's no we just uh we can't pinpoint it. Josh, can he be the face of the company? Uh no, I don't think so. I mean no, I don't think so. I think that uh, they've got too many faces of the company right now. Like, I think a few people would have to get injured for him to be the face of the company. I think that he could be part of a main story. He was definitely proven himself to be part of the main story. And the whole thing with Roman Reigns, like, you think, are they going to just dissolve the bloodline? Is it going to be one of the Usos? Or is it going to be Solo Sequoia? Is that what they're calling him? It's Sequoia, the way that they pronounce it. Pronounce it. Do you, have you Sequoia. heard them say that? Sequoia. I know it's Sequoia, but I've heard some of the announcers call him Sequoia. So I'm wondering if it was just a way that they would say it in the wherever they're. What I can't remember if they're from Mayoran or if they're from the the islands. Uh, I don't know where Sequoias no, grow. Samoan. Yeah, Samoan. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't I don't think that Jay Uso is the face of the company, but like again, that's just because, you know, Seth Rollins is clearly one of the faces of the company, Cody Rhodes potentially a face of the company, Roman Reigns definitely, and I just don't see him replacing one of those guys right now. Hopefully his storylines get so good that that changes our minds. It's interesting when you kind of look at it. I don't think it's going to happen soon. I think it's something that's going to be a build because I think one of the things when you look at this and you're kind of looking at you know, tag team wrestling, there's a psychology for that. And then going into singles wrestling and really doing what he's doing is it changes the psychology a lot. There's a lot of things that kind of happen. I think for his in-ring ability, he could be there. Um, I think he could really put on great matches. He's really good at it. Um, but I think there is going to be a learning curve here for him a little bit. And I, I, I don't know where he's going to end up. I, I have him as well with you, Chris and Josh. I have him at in the mid card come WrestleMania. But I think right now... It's okay to be in a support role. You can let other people kind of take that that reign to see what happens, right? So um, there's no shame in that. But I think two, two, three years down the road, I think they can be exactly what he's looking for. And it'll be interesting to see with how the merger is going to affect that as well. Because we're, that's the next topic of conversation that we're going to go into, which is basically with the merger of WWE um, from Endeavor completing, there's now this new company that's been created that's uh, you know being called TKO. Um, the logo was released. It was put onto a couple different sites. I'll uh, cite WrestleZone for where I saw it. Um, and you know what? This this company has basically been formed. And you know what? We were talking about this earlier, gentlemen, where some really neat things could happen to live events, to PLEs, different things that happen. I'll let Chris, you could talk about that in a second. 
Um, and I think you can talk about that, uh, you know, closely. But what I'm looking at, and we're kind of going through Vince McMahon staying on. I can't remember what his percentage of ownership of what the WWE is. I think it's around 14 to 18% is what I've been hearing or what I read. It 12. Was, is it 12? Okay, it was. I knew it was in the 10 to 20% range. Uh, but thank you for that. Um, my question really becomes... Um, I'll leave this one for Josh to start. Under this new banner, will the WWE stay the course, or do you really foresee changes coming? I mean, in reality, from what we've seen since the original TakeOver, there hasn't been a lot of change that we've seen with how production is run, uh, how raw all the shows are really run, how the streaming service has gone through. Um, But we have heard that there are changes coming because today was apparently a day where WWE told everybody to stay home and work from home today because there was going to be massive layoffs coming on um what what changes do you potentially see or anticipate with this with this merger actually happening yeah so i mean i don't i don't know if i necessarily think that there's going to be a change in the way the product is run especially for wwe i think that there could be some more crossover i know that i think nick was it nick Khan said that you know that they wanted to diversify or they wanted to kind of amalgamate the, the, the groups and that they, they kind of felt a connection. And then Dana White said the exact opposite. He's like, the fans of ours, they don't cross over at all. It's very only a small percentage of people who watch UFC and WWE. I think it's going to kind of be somewhere in the middle where, you know, we might see some cross promotions because it's good for everybody. Like, you know, bringing UFC fighters to a WWE event or, you know, something like that. I think that the layoffs are going to be mostly in the staff that are redundant like it's not i don't think that you're going to see wrestlers get canned at a high rate or any higher rate than they were before um but i think definitely like the office staff like if you have payroll you don't need two payrolls and you don't need you know two directors of corporate services or um you know um so who knows but i i think really it's it's sad when people lose their jobs, but at the same time, like this is what a merger does. It's it's it is what it is. So I, I think that the changes that you might see is the way that they promote the 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 events. Um, I could definitely see them doing like a a cross promoted Saudi Arabia event, right? Like because UFC and WWE really have a good relationship there. Um, as much as I don't like them going to Saudi Arabia, but that's for a topic for a different night. Um, You know, and I think you're right about mergers. I mean, we've seen some big ones, um, you know, like obviously um, there's a big one in the food industry. I won't really name names for $9 billion, and that's one that's also come up. And, you know, potentially there's talk about what what I've been hearing rumors is potentially just maybe getting rid of that name altogether and changing the brand power to the other company that the other company. I know that's vague, but you can read about it. Um, You know, there's a couple different things that happened here, Chris, and I I saved this question for you because... Um, we know that you're the resident MMA fan in, in our group. I think we've all watched a bit of UFC in our day, but I think you're the guy that really kind of gets it and that has watched all the way from the pride days and like, and you know, back when they did the drums and everything. So my big question here is that when they were looking at, there was a comment that was recently made that said that MMA stars could eventually have more longevity in the media by potentially crossing over to WWE. Now, you know, I think the crossover, you know, could happen both ways, but I think obviously you're not going to see wrestlers who are working in a choreographed setting potentially do what CM Punk does and get his ass absolutely fucking kicked. And I know I said his name, but I, I, I get it. So, um, but 
What we've kind of figured out is that in the early days when we talked about MMA, Ken Shamrock did a really good job transitioning into wrestling. Dan Severn did a really good job until he had that really bad injury. But I find that a lot of you, like MMA stars that have transitioned in to either WWE or other companies in the last few years have been really, really poor. Do you think that the crossover will be done in a way that's going to allow some UFC uh, stars to come over and be really, really big stars? Like, let's say, a Conor McGregor? Yeah, I think um, I think I might have read the same thing, but yeah, it's going to give them an opportunity to kind of stretch out their careers a little bit. Um, I, I mean, <clears throat> but uh, you you kind of look at wrestling and you wonder, is it any easier on their body? How is that going to be? Like, how is that going to actually extend their career? But I guess they're looking at it as once uh, they can't fight anymore, they could have an avenue in in the WWE, like guys like Conor McGregor. I mean, that's, that's an easy sell. Like he's, he's, he's built for, he's built to be a heel and he's built to, to talk. So uh, what he could do in the ring. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if we'll ever see it, but uh, I mean, Sean Strickland would be a, a good character. Um, they have a lot of, they have a lot of good guys. DC, Daniel Cormier has always wanted to be involved in wrestling. So uh, maybe we'll see some of that. Um, the other way around, uh, UFC's got a lot of things under their umbrella that they run, like the, like grappling things. So, I mean, Gable Stevenson or Chad Gable or any anybody who's in the WWE who's, like, wrestled might, you never know. You might see them. It might open that door for them to go and compete. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing I was uh, reading is they, they want to do, like, super all-star weekends where both brands are in one city, basically kind of taking over the whole city. So for a weekend, I think that would be that would be cool. And just what Josh says with the Saudi connection, I, I can see I can see a bunch of things happening there. But uh, I think any main they're both really good at production. So I, I don't see much of their either of their production changing. But uh, what changes we do see will probably be slow and over time. Yeah, there's so many characters that are in there that could do a good job. And I think the only guy that, like, we saw, um, you know, a couple of the MMA, MMA fighters come over with Dan Lambert. And I think Junior DeSantos was terrible. I thought, um, what was the what was the girl, the, the female's name that was there? Paige Van Zandt. Fucking terrible. Um the only one that really kind of struck a chord with me when I saw him in Impact was Colby Covington. And I think, like, when you see him actually talk, he, he, he'd be probably one of the best heels in the business if he can learn it. Um, honestly, like, he won't be able to say the shit that he says in the UFC or in a, in a UFC ring. But, um, you know, it'd be a little bit different. I think he has the ability with when, when going through the stuff to really kind of be, you know, a top-end heel. But, like I said, we haven't really seen that in years. And I find a lot of people have a really tough time coming over and, and figuring that out. And I think it's not just one thing. I think, like, the only MMA star that we've really seen recently that's had a really good shot at it is Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle, what, fought in the UFC probably for two or three years, went on the indies, made a massive name for himself on the indies, learned the business as a whole. And I think that's one of the other things is that when you're trying to learn the business, you can't learn the business for one one month or six weeks and then expect to be thrown into a ring. And I think that's partially, I'm not going to say that that's what happened to Gable Steveson, but it seems that 
that that's kind of what happened to him. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see where they go with it um, to move forward. But uh, I think the takeover is going to be great too. I think one of the things that benefits for the takeover is going to be less competition and less competing. And kind of what you said, Chris, having the ability to have those those long weekends that are going to be really fun if you if you really do enjoy both products. So as much as Dana White says that there's no crossover, he's full of shit because there's WWE wrestlers that always show up to UFC, and there's a lot of UFC fans that are a massive wrestling fan. So he, I don't know what the hell he's smoking, but... He's he's always saying it's it's impossible until it happens, and he said, oh, just like I planned, even though he said it was never possible. Yeah, I could say something else. He slapped his wife. Yeah, you beat me to it, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he did. I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> glad somebody else did. Anyways, long story short, uh, this will bring us to the last topic of the evening, which we're going to talk about the PWI 500. For So for those who don't know what that is, it's basically every year they release a top 500 list from Pro Wrestling Illustrated um, that basically gets graded on the following categories. And it's a little bit of a... it's it, What we're finding out is that it's, a, it's, it's an incredibly suggestive list. But basically they look at win-loss record, which in professional wrestling really has no bearing on anything. Um, championships won, quality of competition major feuds, prominence within a wrestler's promotion, and then lastly, the overall wrestling ability. So that's the criteria that really gets in, and the evaluation period happened from July 1st, 2022 to July 1st, 2023. So basically, it's taken them a good three months to compile this list. So when we look at the list, um, and we look at basically the top ten, we have Seth Rollins that has come in at number one. Um, Roman Reigns at number two. We have John Moxley from AEW in three. Gunter at four. El Io de Vikingo, um, basically, who's from AAA in number five. Uh, MJF at six. Kazuchika Okada at seven. Orange Cassidy at eight. Josh Alexander from Impact at nine. And then Cody Rhodes at ten. Now, I can't read all 500 names on this list, but there's some horseshit that happens on this list every year that we do. Because, again, extremely suggestive, right? But. My first question for you, Josh, when you look at this, this is an, uh, apparently an early leak. I don't know if it's 100%. Um, stuff can change. They're saying it's this is the full revealed list now. Um, but personally, I didn't think Seth Rollins was over Roman Reigns. Um, do you think, do you agree with that statement? Do you think Seth is, is a better draw or a bigger draw in WWE than Roman is to, to garner him being number one in the PWI 500? I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be there, but do you think it's odd that uh, Reigns is second and, and Rollins is first? Yeah, I do think that. And I think that because that maybe because Roman didn't wrestle as much uh, as Seth did in the last year. That could be the, the case, but I think that because Roman Reigns has like literally been the face of this company for that long, that the last year he's he's held the, the most prominent titles in all of wrestling, right? Like, I mean, in all of North American wrestling, at least. So to not put him as number one, it's kind of it's it's kind of surprising. I'm actually really surprised that I mean, it took till number 15 to get a female wrestler, but like Rhea Ripley doesn't make the top 10. Oh, Josh, sorry, sorry. I'm going to cut you off there. Um, so PWI um, sometimes will put um, the female wrestlers in the list, but generally they also, just let you know as an aside, they also have their own list. They just probably haven't finished it yet. Oh, where okay. Ripley probably would be number one on that list. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's fine. But I was just, I was surprised because they did have one at 15 and it was like, yeah. okay, well, that's... Uh, Interesting, but yeah. Anyways, I think that definitely Roman Reigns uh, should be over Seth Rollins, and I think that there probably should be some more 
WWE wrestlers higher up just based on the ranking of their promotion. I think like that should take prominence over uh, over some of these things. Like, but it's it's interesting. The top ten's not is you can't argue with the people in the top ten because they are you know kind of like the tops of each promotion or in the tops of their promotions. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up too is that when I'm looking through this list and I've gone through the list pretty much twice to go through, and I, I just want to kind of go back to your Rhea Ripley comment. The the women that are actually in this list for the PWI Top 500 are all women that have wrestled in um, intergender matches against men. And, okay, and interesting. Yeah, and Masha at 15, like not a lot of people would know Masha Slamovich. Like some people, like maybe you know, it, it's fine. Everybody has a different level of what they know in, in wrestling, and it's fine. Um, I'm, nobody's gonna get shamed for it. So. But at the end of the day, Masha Slamovich had a massive year with JCW and in the Indies, and she actually held two or three titles, I think, that were male-driven titles and actually had really good matches. So I think that's why she's so high up, um, just because she's main evented a lot of big shows on the Indies. But, again, this is where it comes down to this subjectivity, right? So we're talking about, we're going through the list earlier, and it was just like, you know, we got some people that are, you know, like kind of in a smaller group. Like we we're talking about Tyrus at 58, who was the NWA champion. And, you know, he's ahead of like guys like Finn Balor. I think like if you were putting on them on for like wrestling capabilities and what you can do, it's almost a no brainer that you pick Finn Balor. Like Tyrus couldn't even hack WWE for a year and, you know, was just gone. And then was in Impact for a year, did well, and then couldn't hack Impact and then ended up on a smaller scale with Billy Corgan and the NWA. Not to be disrespectful, but it's that's the truth of what happened. Now, Trey Trey Miguel is higher than Kenny Omega, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and Trey, Adam and, Page and, and Trey Miguel isn't a bad wrestler. I don't think he's a bad wrestler at all, but he's not better than those guys at all. Like, so I think like when you kind of look at the kind of the the spectrum of the criteria, I think it really makes it to be flawed, right? Now, Chris. Um, do you feel that this list, and I, I, I'm going to probably say no, I'm going to assume no, is the be-all and end-all when you look at, at, at a wrestling list? Because a lot of people take this PWI 500 as the list. Like, we've used those stats on the show. I usually use the top 10. Um, that's where I feel that it's it's okay. And yeah, we might not have Kenny and those guys in the top 10. But at the end of the day, I think it's a, a really good accolade for them to be in the top 10 if they've made that list. Now... If you were kind of to determine um, the wrestling capabilities, and this could be for both of you as well, but we'll start with Chris. How What would you use to solidify the top spot of this? Is it like if you're looking at kind of the criteria that we just saw, is there any criteria that you would use that could really create an, a number one that was, you know, that's the number one person without a shadow of a doubt? Uh, yeah, and like for... No, I don't think it's the be all end all, but I think it's one of the only ones we have. So it's and I mean, it's it's not bad for the like for the top 10. It's usually fairly justifiable. So but no, it's not not the be all end all. There's just too many wrestlers doing too many different things um, with the criteria. Like that's where it would get tough. Um, yeah, you'd you'd have to do like see just what they did with the time they were given. Are they making the most out of their opportunities? Like, are they constantly, you know, have they worked on their game somehow throughout the whole year? Um, win loss. It's like pitcher win losses in baseball. They don't matter anymore. Like it doesn't, doesn't actually mean anything. Um, 
because you know whether you're winning or lost it's somebody else's decision but i mean you're getting over you're doing the hard work and you're you are gaining those wins from from the bookers uh i don't know do you i i would have to put some more thought into it like just being asked on the spot i don't think i could i think i need to sit down with it and get a couple maybe maybe on a future episode i'll come up with my answer but uh there's just there's so much it's hard it's hard to kind of put an umbrella on it and start eliminating certain factors yeah fair enough and so what i'll do is i'll throw my things at the end and if there's anything you guys want to add at the end too and something comes to mind just throw it out josh what what would you use as a determining factor to really kind of set apart maybe the top 15 top 20 or really to define that clear number one is there any any criteria that you think that you could take away from the six that are listed from pdi that you could add to to really make it stand out more t-shirt sales that's actually not a bad one. Um, now, Chris, what I was actually thinking of was, I don't know necessarily know if you could do ratings because not everything has t- TVs, but I'd love to see what event buys would be because I think event buys would be a separator. And then on top of that, for bigger events or a prominent event with, with big matches, a correlation between you know, maybe a star rating of a match or how it performed compared to how many buys that uh, that you know, that PLE or that event had, because let's face it, everything that we could see now, except for Jake Lee at 23, I've never, you know, you mentioned all Japan and like, I don't know where I can buy an all Japan event, but I know where I can get a GCW event. I know where I could watch impact and pay for their event. I can pay for an ROH event. I can pay for a lot of India. I can pay for any of the NWA events. So in a lot of those, I think it would really be realistic to have the buys on that compared, like correlated with how you performed on that show. Right. Um, I think that would be a big one, but t-shirt sales are a great one too, actually. Audience or audience size. Like if you're like, you could rank, like if you were in the main event, like how many main events were you in and how big was the audience, the crowd at that event? So like Roman Reigns was, you know, headlined WrestleMania, but El Hijo del Vikingo, you know, wrestled in front of... 20 or 2000 people, right? You know, like maybe something like that as well. Yeah. Similar to what you did with the pay-per-view buys. Yeah. Or, uh, you can kind of, kind of take a trend. You can see the events that they main evented and then moving to the next event. They main evented. Did the crowd stay the same? Did the crowd get smaller? Did the crowd get bigger for their next event? Like, are they growing? Yeah. Are they growing like not only themselves, but the organization as well? Gentlemen, I love statistics. Statistics are great. I love them. I love that's why I love fantasy baseball. I love a lot of things. Fun fact about me in university. I actually had hundred percent in statistics when I actually failed stats for science, but psych stats I got a hundred. So and that was my only class in university. Hundred percent sixty percent of the time. Yeah, you got it. And so stats I love. The question is, can can you authenticate them and can you put them on a standard deviation curve? Now, I don't want to fucking bore you guys like all the viewers out there and fall asleep when I say standard deviation curve. I'm not getting into it. If you want to learn about it, it's on the internet. Fucking read a book. But on top of that, how do you define notoriety? That's that's the other problem. Notoriety is probably one of the biggest areas that you get in, right? Like, so CM Punk's pipe bomb year is probably going to put him higher on this list than maybe one of his indie years where he had a really good run on the indies, right? Because that notoriety plays a factor. You're right, Chris. It's how are they trending? But the question is, how do we quantify how that trend actually works? 
Because it's not just one social media site. Is it, are we going to use TikTok? Do you use X or Twitter or whatever the fuck you want to call it? Instagram, do we use Facebook posts? How do you get to that point? And I think the more and more that we think of the criteria, I think that this just gets lazy for them at PWI. And it's not a shot at them because I know how fucking hard it is to compile 500 of the best wrestlers on planet Earth. You're going to fuck up numbers. It happens. But there's just so many glaring, like spots in there that just don't make sense and i think like it's trying to find a way to eliminate them right like that's the only reason that i've kind of looked at it because like i said we're kind of looking at you know we would probably rank will osprey as the most skilled wrestler on the planet and i think a lot of people would say that he's the best wrestler on the planet that watch all three shows that watch wwe AEW, and njpw he'd be the best in any of those promotions but he's what? Ranked what? Josh, I think he's 17? <laughs> Maybe lower than that? Yeah. Yeah, he's 17. Yeah, I got it right. 17. Whereas, and don't get me wrong, I've watched a lot of Alexander Hammerstone, and I think he's going to be a big player if he can get out of the minor leagues. But I have Will Ospreay probably over most of the people in the top 10. <laughs> so I think the, the quantification of it is a little bit off, so... Um, but that's pretty much it. Does anybody want to add anything about the PWI? So guys, it's PWI, whoever's at PWI, we enjoy your work. Just it's, it's fucked up. So, but we enjoy it. So thank you for your good work. <laughs> now, Josh, pull out the meat slicer because we got to figure out right now. And I know you got a list of shit, but what is slicing your salami today? Um, okay. You know what really slices my salami is super kicks. Everybody <laughs> does super kicks, too many super kicks. But I think that, like, maybe they should just stop calling, like, the common kick. Uh, they should just stop calling it a super kick and call it a thrust kick. And because it's it's not as... it's I think a super kick should be saved for kind of a finisher or a setup for a finisher. But now it's just, like, everybody does a super super kick. They're not very super anymore. I want to, so maybe we just call them thrust kicks and leave the super kick for a couple people and stop slapping your knees, you fucks. I'm tired of seeing the of the slaps. A kick doesn't make it. I already did this one, but I know you did. No more. Not as many super kicks. Too many super kicks. That's all I have to say. That's what really slices my salami. Hey Josh, better shut up or I'll yeah. roundhouse your ass. I just, I mean, like, there's skinny super kicks, there's chubby super kicks, there's, like, I, I don't know, there's tag team super kicks. Who doesn't do a super there's kick? Shining it's like a Wizards Suicida. and Shining Wizards and V-Triggers and Pandas, oh my, whatever it is. <laughs> Nothing sacred anymore. I miss the Shawn Michaels super kick. No, nah, you got it. That's the original <laughs> You know who kick. else had a really good super kick? Razor Sharp had a really good super kick. I actually did have a So really did Lance good. Storm. Lance Storm had a good super kick too, and master of master of the ruling half crab. Remember that? Oh yeah, that was awesome. So, gentlemen, episode seventeen, we had some technical difficulties, but I got some good news for you. We'll have to talk about it off air, but I think I figured out the issue with the delay. So I'll yeah, talk to you good. off air about it. But with that being said, episode seventeen, anything that we'd like to add at the end of the show? Chris says no. Josh says no. So what I'm going to say to all of you is that if you need to find us again, 
You can hit that follow button. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on iTunes. Just remember, we can hit us up at the Rub Wrestling Pod or Rub Wrestling at Outlook.com for the podcast if you have any questions or concerns. But with that being said, wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu. Bang!